Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Strava Craft Coffee is rich CBD-infused coffee. You can get it in K-cups for your Keurig. You can get a whole bean. You can get it ground. You can get it for 20% off when you use the code DNVR20 at checkout. Remember, this is CBD-infused coffee that can really help you out with a lot of different things, uh, all the way from headaches to joint pain. Uh, or maybe you just want to get rid of those jitters you have when you drink coffee. CBD can help with that as well. You're going to have to try it for yourself to see how it works for you. But you can get that order for 20% off when you use that code DNVR20 at checkout. So check out Strava Craft Coffee today. Welcome in to the DNVR Broncos podcast presented by MSU Denver Online. Awesome stuff going on over there at MSU Denver. Rigorous, affordable online programs taught by professors who bring the real world into the classroom. You're not going to feel like a kid when you go back to school, unless that's something you're trying to do. But, you know, you, you really bring this stuff into your real life and, and advance your education in a way uh, that fits what kind of lifestyle you're living right now. So head over to msudenver.edu slash online and scope out all they have to offer. My boys, happy Monday, happy 6th of July, and I'm so pumped to be rolling with both of you today to kick off the week. Hope you guys had a great weekend. I thoroughly enjoyed mine. feel like I got the, the R&R needed to attack this week with uh, vigor. How, oh. was, how was floating down the river? Oh, man, it was so awesome. So great. Strawberry sky floating down the river, you know, nice 85 degrees. The water is perfectly cold. Uh, man, it was, it was a dream. Were you munching on a King Supers donuts while you were <laughs> no, yeah. on the river and having that strawberry sky? <laughs> yeah, we inspired a, a lot of people to eat donuts, Allie and I, with that debate, but never had any donuts ourselves. Oh my gosh. I, I did not see King Supers trending in Colorado coming when I woke up on Sunday, and it was primarily thanks to you guys and the vigorous debate. I mean, I'll say this. There are plenty of other donuts better than King Supers. There's nothing special about King Supers donuts, but Dunkin' Donuts is not the hill to die on. I'll die mm. on the Tim Hortons hill. I'm not dying on the Dunkin' Donuts hill. <laughs> yeah, well, you, you don't have to die on that hill, though. I mean, it's, it's clear that it's a superior donut to grocery store donuts. I mean, just, just straight off the bat, my cat's name is Dunkin', named off Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> we, we didn't name him King or, or Supers because of the, the donuts at the grocery store. Hey, man, you know, if you like 
frozen donuts, then uh, go ahead and head over to Duncan in Colorado because as multiple people confirmed during that debate, they do not make their donuts fresh at the Colorado location. So, uh, you know, I like to go to a nice bakery like King Supers where they make them fresh. I can't believe that they're doing them frozen. I mean, Dunkin' Donuts had a whole ad campaign for generations. Remember the old guy with the mustache who'd say it's time to make the donuts and he'd show up at like 2 in the morning and start making them? That's their, their MO. That's their identity. The fact that people are saying that in Colorado they're frozen, such a disappointment. But that being said, I mean, we've got a lot of great, you know, great donut shop here. You know, we've got Voodoo Donut, of course. They started in Portland. Lamar's is based in Kansas City, but they have outposts here. Uh, I, donut House is not too far from where I live, but uh, the, the, the grocery store donut, oh man, I mean, it just, every, it, it got into a huge debate about the quality of King Supers, and you know, part of it is, I come from the South, we had Publix, I've traveled around the country, I've been to Wegmans up in upstate New York, and you know, King Supers is just kind of, meh, it's average. Yeah, you're wrong on that. Um, what? King Super's donuts are oh, no. very, very good. Their chocolate glaze <laughs> is fantastic. Uh, on, on par, now that I know that uh, Duncan is frozen, better than Duncan. Uh, but, you know, there are Lamar's. Lamar's donuts are really good. Winchell's donuts in Denver really good. Mm-hmm. Yes. There are better options, but my whole thing was like, you don't need to go out of your way to go to a Dunkin' Donuts when you can just go to any King Supers and get a donut just as good, if not better. I, you guys haven't mentioned the best donut place yet. Oh, Krispy Kreme, is that where yeah, you're going? Yeah, there you go, man. Fresh off the conveyor belt. Oh, so good. They just so melt good. in your mouth. Yeah. I'll say this about uh, Krispy Kreme, and this Uh-oh, they can really hang their hat on. Another hot take on donuts? No, 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 no. <laughs> no this, is, this is something they can really hang their hat on. If you put a lineup of donuts, and one of them is Krispy Kreme. Every single person will be able to identify which one is Krispy Kreme. Like, they, they're the only donut that can claim that they taste different than most donuts. Like, they have their own taste. Yeah, and, it's, and when that red light is on, the hot now light that they have, that's when you want to go. You don't want it when they want them when they've been sitting out. But the thing that Krispy Kreme, I will, I'll say this is a, as a Southerner, I love the glazed donut, and that's the one you're talking about, the famous glazed donut that they have. But when they do other stuff, it kind of goes off the rails a little bit. So the single, if you just get nothing but 12 glazed donuts, boom, you're set. But when you start having other donuts they make, it, it, they don't hold up as well. I think you're right on that front. I think you're right. I mean, I'm, I just like a classic chocolate glazed raised donut. I also go for a long john here and there. Um, and you know, I, I, I'll take King Supers any day. <laughs> a, a long John for your long John presented by Manscaped. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, nice oh, smooth. Oh, now, Ryan, oh. I, I probably shouldn't say this cause it definitely helps your argument more, but, uh, it, you know, Dunkin Donuts is, uh, either thinking about, or it's starting to implement a rebrand, uh, and changing their name from Dunkin Donuts to just Dunkin. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> everyone says their coffee is great and their donuts are average. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I, I got to be honest, I don't know much about their coffee. I'm definitely willing to uh, try out their cold brew and uh, see how it stacks up to, to the Starbucks cold brew because I'm a big fan of the Starbucks cold brew. I'll tell you, Dunkin' Donuts drinks are the biggest hit or miss in my life. I think I told you guys this story. The very first Dunkin' Donuts I got in Colorado was a cup of sweet cream 
that that's all it was sweet cream on the rocks they forgot to put the coffee in um and other times it's uh it's done perfectly but i mean i'm telling you the range that you can get from there is something else i didn't know that you could own a business and have it be so off so often yeah I mean, we don't, yeah. I Speaking of that, about I love Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> yeah, I know, I was going to say, you're a big Dunkin' Donuts supporter. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just, I have never been blown away by their stuff. Uh, okay, let's move on into some Broncos talk here. And um, we've been kind of having a discussion behind the scenes about that, but uh, we had Holy Atwater chime in with a question uh, last week. And I think it's worth diving into a little bit more because I think we disagree maybe a little bit on this. Uh, he says, Aloha from Vegas. A while ago, I read an article in Behind the Steel Curtain where the writers were pounding the table that the Steelers need to inquire about acquiring Philip Lindsay. They noted that he should want to leave Denver with Gordon's arrival so he could get paid sooner and that he would be an instant fan fave wherever he goes in an upgrade. I laughed, but then time went by. If Shermer does prefer a bell cow back and Gordon wins out due to his receiving capabilities, we don't see much Phil. How long before you could see a disgruntled Phil? And what kind of offer would Elway see as too good not to take? I personally hope John sees a two-headed beast type of backfield as a cheat code that keeps Mahomes off the field and beats the Chiefs and finds a way to keep Phil long-term. Thanks, as always, for the awesome coverage. P.S. I love that Denver fans have trolled Allegiant Stadium on Twitter as it looking like a Roomba. It's accurate since it's where the trash goes <laughs> and and i think this is this is a great question because we've talked a lot about the on-field dynamic between phil and melvin and how the broncos are going to handle that but what about the the off-field dynamic and we've seen phil come out and be fiery this off-season about them broncos signing melvin gordon and that's phil i mean that doesn't surprise us but uh he told i believe terrell davis on instagram after the broncos signed melvin that he was pissed he did not like it, uh, and we know he still doesn't have a contract. So the first thing w w when I think of uh, Phil's mindset is, one, of course, I mean, that's Philip Lindsay, and two, we love that about Philip Lindsay, right? We love the fire that he brings, and we think it's only going to make him better. But at what point does that fire turn bad and hurt the team if – uh, if he doesn't get um, the respect on the field that he thinks he deserves. I think it's, a, it's an interesting dynamic to talk about. Yeah, here's where I stand on this. Well, first of all, you know where I stand on it. Phil is going to earn his carries. He's going to get them, and everything's going to be fine. From Phil's perspective, I think Melvin Gordon might be the one who ends up being disgruntled. <clears throat> but to live in a world where that doesn't happen, I think – there is a situation in which a couple of different situations here. One where Phil is biting off five a carry uh, and only getting like nine touches per game. Um, I think there's a chance where he he's saying, you know, what the hell is going on here? I'm playing great. Why don't you give me the ball more? Uh, why am I not seeing more percentage of the snaps? Then you've got, you know, his family members on Twitter, you know, going out there and defending him. I could see it happening. And, you know, those, they, they always have each other's back. So um, if he's disgruntled, they're going to be disgruntled. And, and maybe there might be a situation where the Broncos would need to trade Philip Lindsay. I just – I'd like to believe in, in the fact that the Broncos understand Philip Lindsay's value in a way that they don't want to let him get that way. Because 
as a leader on this football team and as a, a pillar of the locker room, Philip Lindsay is an extremely valuable piece of any football team. And just in the same way that you want to keep, you know, all your stars happy, you want to make sure that Cortland Sutton's getting the ball enough because you want him, you know, it's like, it's like when you're playing a video game and every player has a little morale meter. Well, you need to make sure that you have all their little morale meters going up. And so, I would think that the Broncos would be smart enough to say, look, a happy Philip Lindsay, a competitive Philip Lindsay, because no matter what, he's always going to feel like he's in a competition here with Melvin Gordon. But making sure that you, you keep him above that bar, you keep his little meter green, is very valuable to your football team. So I would hope that the coaching staff has the wherewithal to make sure they keep him in the green. So- yeah, that's not, that's not just about – playing time though that's also about kind of talking to him and, and keeping him involved and uh probably the guy most responsible for that if Philip Lindsay is not the starter and he's getting say only eight to ten touches per game that's gonna fall primarily on Curtis Modkins the running backs coach and Modkins is certainly somebody who's been in Philip Lindsay's corner from day one pretty much and and knows what he can do the it's always tricky when you have the potential of somebody being a backup who has been a starter and wondering how are they going to handle that change in role and you know the, the fire that philip Lindsay has that you guys both have mentioned and know about it's something that it could get out of control and cause some damage in the locker room if if he's not happy with his role if he's a backup of course that being said you could almost say the same thing about melvin gordon too if he's a backup now he has a different kind of mentality than philip Lindsay. but if phil comes in uses the work that he's had with drew lock because remember melvin gordon hasn't been working with drew lock and those guys over at local parks and fields philip Lindsay has and that's something that I think is going to help him in terms of being able to handle the offensive concepts and to execute them well as, as the season gets going. And I think he's going to have better – he may have better cohesion, especially early on with Drew Locke. And so what if it's a – I think with both Melvin Gordon and Phil Lindsay, if it doesn't settle on some kind of time-sharing mode that each of them are happy with, I think there is the potential for chaos no matter which one is a starter and which one is a backup. Right, and, and Mace, I think that's a really good point, that this isn't just about Philip Lindsay. Uh, Melvin Gordon came here to, uh, to show that he's worth more than just $8 million a year, but he also knows that he should be the starter, getting you know, over 10 times more than the other guy that's on the team and Philip Lindsay. So he would probably be upset if he doesn't get that. Um, and Ryan, you mentioned that morale meter from Phil and you want to keep it in the green, you want to keep it above 50 Uh, right this off season. Haven't the Broncos already let that dip a little bit. And Phil's fire is to, to show that, that that should go up um, because they haven't paid him. They, they, they could have paid him. They could have given him something. Uh, They haven't yet. And when you look at Phillips contract, he's getting about $700,000 this year. Then he's a restricted free agent in 2021, meaning the Broncos could put a first-round tender on him. They could put a second-round tender on him. Both of those, I think the first-round tender would probably cost around $4.5 million, second-round tender around $3.5 million. Um, and if the Broncos wanted to let him go, they could just let him walk. They could put a tender on him and have a team sign him, and then the Broncos would get a second-round 
um, pick back for him potentially, uh, or they could sign him to a long-term deal after this season and be paying big money for two running backs in 2021. Or you enter the very interesting, very interesting dynamic of signing Phil up next year for that RFA tender. And then you have both Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay hitting the open market after the 2021 season. I, I think it's very interesting to see how not only on the field it plays out, but how off the field both of these guys respond to, um, let's say, Phil getting you know, 60% of the, the touches over the next two years or Melvin getting 80% of the touches over the next two years and how that impacts who the Broncos running back is in 2022 and the road to getting there. Yeah, it's everything you mentioned is really interesting. You, you did say, though, that the, have the Broncos let it dip. I would like to believe that, that behind closed doors they're talking to Phil and they're saying, hey, look, you take care of your business and we'll take care of you down the road. Whether that's true or not, it's kind of what you have to be saying because you want Phil, you want this Phil. Trust me, you want this Phil. So they, they want Phil to believe that he's competing for everything that he's going to get. But you also have to keep up the idea that, you know, this was not a Melvin instead of Phil is getting paid. This is what a football team has to do because we have a great value in you, Phil, and we understand that. But we also, because of your great value, have options to do other things. We're building this two-headed monster because of what's going, what's going on with your contract. That allows us to do that. But you can rest assured that as long as you keep taking care of your side of the deal, we're going to take care of you in the long run. And, and I think that's a, uh, an optimistic way of looking at it. And, and, and I think that's the way the Broncos should absolutely be approaching it, Ryan. But at what point this season – does Phil say, well, clearly this isn't the case. You know, um, Pat Shermer typically likes to run with the bell cow. Now, I think that has to be different this year. But what if he does do more of the bell cow approach and uh, maybe even gives a little bit more to Phil than he typically has in the past? Maybe. But what if it's Melvin getting 65% of the touches, 70%, 60% at what point? Or is there any point that, that Phil um, – not not blows up by any means, but but it does bring that morale down a little bit, Ryan. Like like you talked about, um, or does Phil never let it impact him? He says, "All right, you do whatever you got to do, whatever you're going to do with me this year. I'm going to stay quiet. Uh, next year, if you want to keep me around, even if you're not going to use me, pay me three and a half million dollars on that second round tender, or I'm going to hit free agency." I think that, that there is a time, and I think that Philip Lindsay absolutely loves the city of Denver. I think he loves being a Bronco. I think that it, you could never ask for a player who fits what it means to be a Denver Bronco more than Philip Lindsay. But I also know that, you know, he just had a child. Um, he grew up very, you know, uh, less fortunate than, than many. And I think that he knows that he has an opportunity to look out for his entire family, not just his, uh, uh, his new newborn child, not just his mom and dad who have sacrificed everything for his family. Um, but you know, generations. And I think that above all else, that's, what's going to be number one on his plate. So if he feels like that the Broncos aren't giving him an opportunity to reach his earning potential, then I think he's going to, to, at some point, say, play me or trade me. And I think he'd probably be justified in doing so 
if it's a situation where he really is only getting 35% of the touches or less, when we know that this is a guy who you give him the ball, he's going to get you 1,000 yards. Yeah. Now, what's interesting on the 30 to 35%, we've all focused on how Pat Shermer has had bell cow backs, and he started off with that. But in Minnesota in 2017, he started off with Dalvin Cook as the bell cow back, but then got good production, at least good enough to allow the Vikings to do to, to maintain their previous plan by effectively splitting the reps close to 50-50 with Latavius Murray and Jarek McKinnon, two guys who had different skill sets, different strengths, kind of like Philip Lindsay and Melvin Gordon has. And so I, I wonder if Pat Shermer, as he starts getting to know what Phil can do and what Melvin can do as they get into training camp and start working. I wonder if maybe he kind of goes away from the bell cow notion in part because he can look back at his career and see timeshares that have worked effectively and can keep both of these guys happy. And that's absolutely what, what Pat Shermer and the Broncos should do. Uh, and because you have two pro bowl running backs, you should use them both um, to to their strengths, and I would never talk about trading Philip Lindsay uh, on my own. But because Holy Atwater brings it up, you know, whether it's to the Steelers, whether it's to someone else, let's say before the trade deadline, some point this season, it comes up. What's Phil's value? And I think we talked about this briefly last week, and I said if you knew what Philip Lindsay was going to be during the draft. Uh, he probably would have been a late first round, early second round pick. Is that the value that you could get back in a trade right now? I think you get a second round pick uh, for Phil right now. Interesting. Hey, so then, mm. go ahead. Uh, so then, does that mean if the Broncos put a second round tender on him after this season, that maybe for the first time in a long time that? a team will actually bite at that and be willing to give up a second round pick in order to sign Philip Lindsay, man, the right team would be smart too. I think a late second um, round pick, like a good team. Yeah. I mean the Kansas city chiefs, I realize they have their guy, but you know, a team like that, uh, the Baltimore Ravens who wanted Philip Lindsay after the draft. Yeah. I mean, come on, you put that kid on the, in that offense, with Lamar Jackson, that is absolutely worth a second-round pick. And you'd have to remember this as well. He'd be going into his fourth season in the NFL, and he would be probably – he would have about two and a half seasons uh, of tread on the tires. Um, and one minor injury, um, but in terms of a running back, you know, still very young in his running back career – uh, and you would assume that he has at least four to five more good years in the tank. And we're talking about a guy who, again, you know, you give him the carries, you're getting a 1,000 yards at almost five yards per carry. The other thing that also, if, you decide, if somehow he was on the market, now I think you would want to wait until you got deep into camp or whatever the preseason ends up being because you may have a team that has a need for a running back one, either because of injury or some, let's say your starting running back pulls out because of coronavirus says, 
I'm going to opt out of the season. There could be, what I'm saying is there could be more windows uh, for trade possibilities if that is something that it comes to uh, at the Broncos running back position. Yeah, and this this conversation right here, specifically just the last couple minutes, is why you got to make sure that Phil is happy. And because I think Phil's the guy, if he's not producing, let's say the first four games of the season, he comes out and averages 3.1 yards per carry, and Melvin's at five yards per carry. I don't think that's going to happen. But if that's the case, I think Phil's going to understand, I need to do a better job. I don't think he's just going to be pissed to be pissed. I think he's going to understand that he needs to be better than Melvin uh, in order to get those opportunities. But uh, if that's not the case, which I don't think that will be the case, you can't let him walk. You can't be trading him for poor value because if we're talking about the winning organizations in the league being willing to give up a second round pick because they're adding a great player, well, why would you want to do that? Why would you want to give up that type of player? So it's very clear that if Phil is doing what Phil does, which I, I think we all fully expect him to do that, you got to make sure that, that he is given enough because it's not only going to make him happy, it's going to help your team. Yeah, exactly. And I, that's why I'm just – I mean, there are so many reasons to be excited about this football season from a Broncos standpoint, but that one really gets me fired up. I think you're going to see Philip Lindsay on a whole different level. I mean, it's been a while since he had any legitimate competition. Uh, you know, going back to his junior year at CU, he was the guy. And there wasn't really anyone coming for the throne. Then he comes into a situation where there's Devontae Booker and Royce Freeman, and he leaves those guys in the dust like they're on bikes and he was in a Ferrari. Uh, and then, you know, this year he finally gets a chance, in my opinion, to to find that extra little bit that he has inside of him where he has to earn uh, every touch he gets. And I think that's the absolute way that he's going to approach this. And you are, I just, uh, you're going to see, you know, as Mike McIntyre called him back in the day, the Tasmanian devil, absolutely (laughs) just on a tear. Yeah. So he's a chip on his shoulder guy. It gets me fired up. Yeah. He's a chip on the shoulder guy. It's Philip Lindsay. And, Imagine when that chip gets bigger. We've already seen what he can do when he has the chip of being undrafted and what that brings to him. It's sort of like uh, what we saw with Chris Harris Jr. a lot of, a lot of those years and uh, even with C.J. Anderson as, as well. There are certain guys that you get that, is that as that chip gets bigger, the play gets better. And, it, you know, it doesn't bother me that, that Phil Lindsay may find motivation from this because – I've seen enough over the last two years and beyond to know that it's going to bring out the best in him. You've seen him obviously since day one at CU. Uh, I watched a little of him at CU, but really started paying more attention to him down at the Shrine game when in a sea of backs who were tippy-toeing into the box, he was attacking without fear. It uh, didn't matter that he was smaller. didn't matter that he was shorter. He just had that aggressiveness to him. And I think we're going to see even more than that this year. I, there are, a few, there are some things that I, I will always do. I'll always default to Wisconsin offensive linemen, and I'll always bet on Philip Lindsay. <laughs> I thought you were going to say then you always, <laughs> you always uh, fall back on CU running backs or something like that. <laughs> I man, don't it, bet against Phil. I just, no. I just don't, and I, I no. never will. 
No, and and that's why this this extra Phil always has a fire, but this extra fire he has now should really turn into something special for the Broncos. And really, it's it's in Pat Shermer's hands right now. He he can uh, make that something special and turn into an awesome fireworks show. Just make sure that that you're getting Phil the ball enough to make that happen. And if you're doing that, like I said, it's only going to help your football team. Yep. And speaking of not betting against Philip Lindsay, I don't actually know if you want to bet against our DK picks of the week or not. What's our collective <laughs> record? Do we have any idea how we're doing here? Um, yeah, we, we not, fortunately, none of my bets have uh, cashed out yet. Um, but RK, I think before last week, you were one and one. And Mace, you were one and four. Yeah, and then I took a long-term bet. I'm going to take another long-term bet this week. Too. <laughs> yeah, can't be held. And, uh, what did I give out last week? Um, you gave out uh, Man United beating Brighton. Oh, yeah, that happened, so I'm 2-1. There one. you go, 2-1. and one. <laughs> uh, so, and so we're listening to this one. You're on a hot streak right now. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to stick on the pitch uh, and give out my Wolves. Wednesday morning, 11 a.m., taking on Sheffield United. Wolves, you're still getting plus money there on the money line because, of course, the tie is in play. Um, you don't want the ties to happen in, in soccer or ever. Uh, but Wolves plus 107, money line, Sheffield United, 11 a.m. Wolves, uh, not a great performance this weekend. They took their first loss of the restart to Arsenal, and I think they bounced back in a big way, get the win over Sheffield United. Remember, you know, the the uh, the Premier League is settled. Liverpool has won. They don't even have to show up anymore if they don't want to. Uh, but the Champions League is what everyone's playing for right now. And, and, and my Wolves are in position, but they got to take care of business. They got to bounce back and hold on to that spot because they're in fifth right now. And uh, may, the, the top four go to the Champions League. But Man City is banned from the Champions League this year because of scandalous stuff. Not so. yet. Not there. It's in the appeal. We're going to get a ruling on next year coming up likely on the 13th. So Yeah, but yeah. everyone is of the belief that there's no way they're getting off with this. We'll see. <laughs> it it we'll should see. be uh, the Patriots punished. The, the Patriots should get this type of punishment. Exactly. Exactly. But what the Patriots anyways. did was worse. Totally, uh, but whatever. Uh, so, anyways, Wolves got to take care of business and uh, get themselves that Champions League spot. I like that. A little Wednesday morning action for us. Love that midweek action. And, man, something I absolutely love is on DraftKings Sportsbook. Did you guys see the Cam Newton specials that they have? Yeah, Andre oh, and I talked about those on, uh, on DNVR Bets Daily the other day. And... I absolutely love the way it's presented. They spelled Cam Newton specials just like Cam Newton would spell it on Instagram. And I didn't want to pick one of these, but I just have to because DraftKings Sportsbook nailed the Cam Newton thing. And Ryan, I'm going to pick one that uh, you'll – oh, man, you're, you're going to hate. You're going to hate that I'm picking this because you probably think this is easy money the other way. But one of the specials there – is player to have the most passing touchdowns. Teddy Bridgewater at minus 134 or Cam Newton at plus 110. 
I think Ryan would run to the bank on Teddy Bridgewater minus 134. I'm going to go Cam Newton. Give so, Cam Newton more passing touchdowns than Teddy Bridgewater this year. Yeah, um, I do like Teddy Bridgewater in this situation for a myriad of reasons. Uh, one, I just uh, Cam Newton still has steps to clear before he even is on the team. Um, whereas Teddy Bridgewater is the unquestioned starter in Carolina. And, and then let's just say they're both the starter. I, I still think that, that Teddy has a chance – uh, to end up beating Cam Newton in the competition anyway. So, yeah, I like, I like Teddy Bridgewater in that one. Yeah, I think the only thing I'm clinging to here, and Ryan's just absolutely going to hate this, is the Bill Belichick, Josh McDaniels factor with Cam Newton, which is exactly what Ryan hates about, uh, about this argument. Um, but I'm, I'm just not going to bet against Bill until I see it. Um, Oh, man. And then you also have Brady and Cam Newton, who's going to have more passing touchdowns. Tom Brady is minus 670. I mean, clearly he's going to have more passing touchdowns, although maybe Ryan would put the plus 470 on Cam. I mean, you do have to keep in mind that Tom Tom Brady could just, you know, uh, be too old to play anymore at some point. <laughs> what if his bones turn to dust? <laughs> out in that Tampa heat yeah you never know I I would take Brady in that one because well he's definitely the starter yeah yeah I mean you have to take Brady and uh, I'm taking the little plus money on Cam over Teddy okay I'm going to baseball back to baseball going for another season-long bet I'm looking at the home run leader odds right now and uh, you've got Joey Gallo and Mike Trout leading it off at 10 to one and then Pete Alonzo right behind them at 11 to one. But I think there are a couple of better value picks here. And the one I'm actually going to focus on is a Eugenio Suarez of the Cincinnati Reds, who is sitting right now at 25 to one odds to be the home run champion in major league baseball. Even though last year had 49 jacks, which was just four behind Pete Alonzo. So part of it is just the number and the potential return. I'm going with Suarez at 25 to one. They'd be the home run king for 2020. I kind of like uh, Nolan Arenado. What do they have him at there? Nolan Arenado right now is 20 to one. So he is Ooh. sixth behind Gallo, Trout, Pete Alonzo, Giancarlo Stanton, and Cody Bellinger. So the way I look at this is Nolan is going to play half of his season in sweltering hot games at Coors Field. You know, none of the early cold games, none of the late cold games. I guess there could be some late cold games. Uh, but I think that, you know, usually you should see uh, the, the late summer is when the bats really get going at Coors. And I think that, that, that Nolan might be able to ride that wave. Not to Coors everyone here, but, hey, in a small season when the sample size shrinks a little bit, I could see – you know, uh, quite a few hot ball games at cores in the in the early going get him a little lead there. Wait, and one at, thing that might help where? him. Coors. Uh, oh, cool. Oh, Coors Field. Coors Field. Gotcha. <laughs> Coors Field. Rhymes with Doors Field. <laughs> Mace, what were you gonna say? Well, no, I was actually gonna say that one thing that actually could help him is uh, Charlie Blackman having 
uh, gotten coronavirus behind him and looking like he's back to uh, going to be back at full strength there because you need that protection in the lineup. Like right now, uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. sitting there 22 to one, but uh, you know Freddie Freeman has apparently been socked with COVID-19 to the point where he's, you know, some guys are asymptomatic. Freddie Freeman, who offers Acuna a lot of protection in that lineup, is struggling with a myriad of, system, of symptoms right now, according to his wife. So it may have hit him pretty hard. It might be affecting him. The Braves don't know when he's going to be back. And that's the sort of thing you got to look out for. Like, it's not just the player and whether he might come down with the illness, but the, the kind of protection they're going to have in the lineup. So none of these bets you can feel great about because of the unknown into which we're stepping with coronavirus. That's why I'm sort of looking at odds that say, okay, well, maybe the odds are long, but it might, it might pay off here. It's just part of where we sit right now. Yeah. And the other one that I look at is Trevor story. I think that he's another guy who could just get really hot for a small period of time. And that's what, what it's, you know, and that's what it's going to take as a team to make the playoffs. Like if you go on a 10 game win streak, you've just won one sixth of your games, you know, like a team gets hot, a player gets really hot, a lineup gets really hot. It could change the entire season in a 10 day period. And what, what what are we talking about over under in terms of the, the home runs for the home run leader? We talking 20 and a half. Is that way too high? Well, it's usually right around 50 um, for the the leader and that's in 160 games. So you take what you know uh it'd be just under a third yeah it'd be just under a third so yeah it'd be just under 20 just over a third right yeah Uh, 50 162 i think just under sick but it's 60 of 162 oh 60 of 162 yeah yeah yeah. yeah, so it's it's just over so 60 divided by 162 is 37%. And so if you go by 37 home runs, that would mean 18.5 would be the magic number. But like you mentioned, RK, you talked about Nolan Arenado playing in the summertime at Coors Field. When it's hot, you presume that the heat might, that the heat and not playing those cold weather games that you'd see in April, that that might inflate the total. And realistically, even though the length of the season would say that the home run leader should be around 18 and a half, that there would be two or three guys who hit 20 because most games are going to be played in heat. I bet you we see someone hit 30. That's my prediction. Wow. So average. So that would putting them on an 81 home run pace over the course of a season. Man. So Ryan's on this DK pick of the week, easily picking uh, the over, no matter what the number is. <laughs> yeah, I wonder, they should put numbers on that type of stuff. That's fun. I just think someone's going to – first of all, I don't know. I think that the players being able to look at the uh, season like a sprint instead of a marathon might just – you might just see some different stuff happening. The other thing that could happen, though, is almost like a dead ball season where just – you're getting the best pitchers every third or fourth day and you know no one is not getting a no one is getting a ton of action out there so i i don't know i just i just get this feeling that someone's going to hit like 10 home runs and seven games and just be off to you know and be off to a crazy tear and eventually get to 30 oh, the please, other th- please yeah. give us that instead of the opposite well I, I think the other thing to watch out for is a 400 hitter yep Yep, I think we could definitely see that. Yeah. All right. Well, I mentioned it yesterday or at the top of the show. Uh, there was nothing quite like floating down the ramp, uh, the Yampa River 
with a Breckenridge brew in my hand. And you can do that too if you just get yourself to Steamboat. I promise you can uh, find some Breck brews up there because that's what I did. And man, Strawberry Sky, you know, my soon-to-be brother-in-law was just floating down the river, Strawberry Sky in hand. And he was just like, man, there's nothing quite – I think he said Strawberry Sky is just the perfect summer beer. And it really is true. It, it just – something about the way it, it hits the lips when the, when the temperature exceeds 90 degrees that just really, uh, really can't be beat. So go down to your local liquor store. Maybe it's Davidson's and grab yourself a 15-pack of Strawberry Sky and just drink them out in the sweltering heat. You will not be disappointed. And there's also nothing like floating down the Yampa River, Strawberry Sky in one hand, and a lawnmower 3.0 from Manscaped <laughs> in the other. And guys, if you wanted to do that, the lawnmower 3.0 would be down because it's got a 90-minute battery. It's waterproof, so you drop it in the water. Uh-oh. Well, you can't see it because it's in there. Uh, well, it's got the LED light to illuminate it. It's a good search partner. It's also good for taking care of any of the shaving underneath the belt. So make sure to check out the Lawnmower 3.0. Guys, it really is the best trimmer out there for any part of your body. I can guarantee that. And while you're at it, get the Perfect Package 3.0, which will get, you'll get that Lawnmower 3.0. You also get the Crop Preserver, which is an anti-chafing deodorant, a spray-on ball toner and refresher, which is the Crop Reviver, and you'll get a travel bag, disposable shaving mats, and the comfiest set of anti-chafing boxers you have ever worn. And guys, to top it all off, Use that magical code DNVR20 for 20% off your entire purchase and free shipping. So hit up Manscaped in that code DNVR20. All right, let's jump into the questions from the listeners here. And the first one comes in from the count. Go ahead, Mace. All right. Percy Shelley predicted the fall. It's folks like the Snyder. The fall of folks like the Snyder long ago in his poem, Ozymandias. I met a traveler from an antique land who said two vast and trunkless legs of stone stand in the desert. Near them, on the sand, half sunk, a shattered visage lies, whose frown and wrinkled lip and sneer of cold command tell that sculptor well those passions read, which yet survive, stamped on these lifeless things, the hand that mocked them and the heart that fed. And on the pedestal, these words appear. My name is Ozymandias, king of kings. Look on my works, ye mighty in despair. Nothing beside remains round the decay of that colossal wreck, boundless and bare, the lone and level sands stretch far away. Go Mace, go Zach, go RK, go America, go Miss Iceman, go DNVR, love the count. <laughs> wow, we love you, Count. Now, Mace, do you want to <laughs> read that uh, in English for us now? Let me just say this, that uh, eventually you, dest- you destroy all that is around you. That is Daniel Snyder destroying a once proud franchise to the point that you have three of the minority ownership partners, including, according to reports, Fred Smith, who has been with Dan Snyder since day one, Fred Smith, the CEO of FedEx, who have all been looking to sell their shares of the Washington franchise worth up to apparently about 40% of the team. You know, it's, it's not just the nickname. I think that uh, there are a lot of people around that team that are in high places in that organization that are fed up. 
Yeah, uh, you just hope that Peyton Manning doesn't buy off any of those shares. <laughs> Certainly. wait. He should wait a couple uh, years, months, however long, for uh, another team. Wouldn't the league be ecstatic, though? Yes, they would. That's why you <laughs> don't want it to happen. <laughs> Gosh, would Peyton be able to coexist with Dan Snyder? Oh, I don't think he'd do it unless he knew it was going to be uh, – he'd have complete control. Yeah, I think that would make him lose his mind. Yeah. That's probably true. From Buff Devil, one of my favorite summer activities is heading down to Dove Valley to watch some Broncos training camp. Unfortunately, because of the virus, I won't be able to continue my yearly tradition of getting as many players to sign my orange bucket hat as possible. I bought the thing in 2016, so it's seen its fair share of signers come and go. I, went, I want to fill out my hat with as many signatures as possible, so during the post-practice autograph scrum, I usually go to the lesser-known players to increase my chances. Some of my favorites include D'Angelo Henderson, Capri Bibbs, Billy Wynn, Chad Kelly, Ron Leary, Riley Dixon, and everyone's favorite, the incomparable Joe Flacco. Mace, I know you're a huge Simpsons fan. I'm watching through the old seasons on Disney Plus and was wondering if I could hit you with some trivia questions. Thanks for all you wonderful dudes do. Oh, and Boulder High sucks. Love Buff Devil. Agree on that last point. <laughs> Let's do it. That'd be a lot of fun. Uh, I love. We were actually watching a couple of old Simpsons episodes this weekend uh, when we were waiting for a thunderstorm to pass up in Vale. So that'd be awesome. And Buff Devil, you won't be the only one missing out on training camp. I can't imagine that training camp will be open to the fans. I don't know if that's official yet, but it does look like we will be able to be there in some form or fashion. And so we'll provide all of you with everything that you need to know from training camp. Amen. Let's hope. Amen. From Broncos Sooners, New York Rangers. Hey, guys, hope you had a great 4th of July. Nothing better than a couple of burgers and beers with loved ones. Amen. On to the Broncos. Which set of skills, skill players would you prefer with 23-13 Peyton Manning leading the team? Assumed all players are in their prime. Wow. All right, option one, Ed McCaffrey, Eddie Royal, Brandon Marshall, Shannon Sharp, and Clinton Portis. Or option two, Rod Smith, Wes Welker, Demarius Thomas, Julius Thomas, and Terrell Davis. This one feels easy to me. Oh, does it? Well, I'm, try I'm trying to go by Hall of Famers, and it looks like there's one in yep. each category. Mm -hmm. Two coming for the second category, though. Mm, Wes and DT? Wes and Terrell Davis. But he's, he's already – TD's already in it. Right. Yeah. I'm saying eventually that the oh, second group – Oh, got it, got it, got it, got it, got it. You got to go with the second group here. You have the better slot receiver, the better number one receiver, and the better running back. The only thing you don't have better is uh, the tight end, uh, and you can, I guess, have a conversation on who has the better number two receiver. Yeah, I hate saying no to uh, Shannon Sharp, but – you got to go with TD. Rod Smith is the best receiver in Broncos history. And Demarius Thomas, you can argue, is the second best receiver in Broncos history. I got to go with the second group. Who, who would you rather have in their prime, DT or Brandon Marshall? Probably DT. It's close, though. Okay, yeah, and, and I agree with that. I think that's fair. It, it is close, but – Man, you guys know how much I love Wes Welker. I can't pass up on Wes <laughs> Welker. <laughs> and give me the Hall of Fame running back, too, because Julius Thomas at his prime was about as good as it gets. And obviously, Shannon Sharp is better. But, I mean, I don't think you're dropping that much from a guy that was in his prime because what did we see, 26 touchdowns 
in two years from Julius Thomas? Didn't he have 14 and 12 or something like that? Yeah, yeah. And, let, and let me tell you this. No matter which team you have here, uh, you're going deep in the playoffs. <laughs> yes, you are. So bonus question, who is your fourth receiver? Brandon Lloyd or Javon Walker? Brandon Lloyd, I guess, but why can't I have like Cortland Sutton or Jerry Judy? Yeah, I'm saying I'll, I'll pass on those two guys. Yeah, give me Judy. <laughs> I think part of the reason why it's these two guys is if it were Cortland Sutton or Jerry Judy, I think maybe the choice we perceived as, as too easy. With both Brandon Lloyd and Javon Walker, you had talented players who weren't always what they could have been because of issues, some within their control, some beyond their control. That said, if we're talking about prime, no offense to Javon Walker, but Brandon Lloyd's season in 2010 was amazing. So if I'm choosing between the two of them, I'm choosing Brandon Lloyd. That also, was sensational. Like, Brandon Lloyd, you know, obviously they make the highlight reel and that's all cool and stuff, but the types of catches that that dude could make, oh. those keep drives going, those create touchdowns that shouldn't have been there. Like those types of catches are extremely valuable. It he was, was just the throw the ball in the vicinity. Yeah, he was the reason to watch the team that year. Totally. I mean, that's what – I mean, the, the Broncos could be getting destroyed. He'd make some kind of acrobatic catch that makes you wonder, how the heck could he – can he do that? That was, that was it. Every, everything else was garbage but him. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. Next one coming in from Mets Bronco 50. Hey, boys, I haven't commented in a while, and I know I'm not the most prominent commenter in the world. But relating back to Iceman, my fiance is having significant spine surgery in around a month. And on top of it, I started a new job recently, and it's been quite the roller coaster life switch with surgery and probably changing our wedding time. But I will say, as being the hugest Broncos fan, biases aside, in the world, you guys have made this better. DNVR makes me wish I was in Denver all the time to just experience your bar and positivities. Sorry for being all serious and sappy, but you guys are great. Go Broncos and go my fiance for a successful surgery. You guys are great, and I appreciate the slight escape you provide. Hopefully, all three of you are on. Thanks, boys, and have a happy 4th of July. Man, Mets Bronco 50, we, uh, we're wishing you and your wife all the best this next coming month and for the entire recovery. Thank yeah, you, abs absolutely. And uh, I wasn't here uh, to, say, to wish my best for uh, Mrs. Iceman, but I want to throw that in. Or is it Ice Woman? Who knows? Um, but I wanted to throw that in there as well. We're thinking of all of you guys, and uh, we, we appreciate you rolling with us, uh, and, and we love having you as part of the family. And definitely keep us updated on how that goes. So in classic Iceman fashion, go Miss Iceman and go <laughs> Miss Mets Bronco 50. All right, next one's from Broncos Only. Hi, Zach Mace, and sometimes lately RK. I have been listening to the pod since the beginning of the year, but I have yet to figure out why May celebrates the number 75. Speaking of, shout out Joey Chestnut. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> uh, he I says heard, I've, I heard oh, a lot about that on Saturday. <laughs> I'm sure you did. Uh, and also, Andre and I both had money on him uh, breaking the record, which was 74. So <laughs> this not even in plan. I just yelled out, 75! <laughs> Were you pounding tables too? Yeah, oh yeah. I mean, geez. Uh, wow, it's trying to hilarious. hold it's trying to hold back throw up from how disgusting that competition is, but 
uh, I'll take my two to one odds on him setting the record. <laughs> <laughs> well, he had, according to him, he had perfect conditions inside. Also, the the hot dogs were put, cooked ten minutes ago, which was perfect for him. Everything went his way to hit that record. Wow, gotta love it. Perfect conditions. <laughs> uh, anyways, he says I've been waiting till it comes up again and playing along in the meantime, like a guy who laughs, laughs at the inside joke. He does not understand because everyone else is laughing. We really do need like when we send out the free shirt your subscription you should also get like a card that explains all the inside jokes you may have missed (laughs) yeah well the thing is that every podcast that we do at dmvr has these sorts of inside jokes that's that's sort of the best part and references so quickly the 75 thing our friend steve atwater was one of the producers of a slasher movie and the first name of it was 75 and then they changed it on dvd release to dead tone and when steve and i along with ryan edwards had a show on uh, the broncos branded radio station orange and blue 760 we uh we actually went back and watched this movie and there's a scene in there where you have this dramatic dramatic setup and 75 is the name of a game where they try to call somebody and, and hold them on the line for 75 seconds and so you hear the you know, the, the music, you know, boom. And he slams the speakerphone down and says, 75. And so one day, Ryan Edwards and I started, every time the number came up, we said it that way. And Steve's like, man, you tripping. Man, you crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and, but people started react on the text line. We kept, people were laughing about it. And then we started saying it every day. And then I came over here to showing you guys and it's people start asking for it and so that's that's why and so now whenever it comes up it's just 75 like that (laughs) i love it he says today i decided to just google it to see if i could learn the answer but all i found (laughs) out is that andrew mason is the former founder and ceo of groupon and in 2012 was named the worst ceo of the year by greenberg of cnbc Anyway, I'm going to change my avatar soon because it's a picture of Garrett Bowles and everyone hates Bowles. But before I do, please look closely and acknowledge that I photoshopped a Breckenridge Brewery tattoo on his neck in honor of the guy in Indianapolis at the Combine this year that said he was going to get one just like it. If you don't notice it before, if you didn't notice it before now, I understand because it's hard to see, so I won't hold it against you. I look forward to continuing to enjoy a long offseason with you guys. Signed, Broncos only. And yes, we can see that uh, I thought it was Garrett Boyles. That thing that was growing out of his neck. Oh. It's just a Breckenridge brute tattoo. Yeah. yeah, I didn't realize it was a uh, sweet Kenyon Martin neck tattoo that he that you gave to Bulls. I thought it was just a uh, Breck always being with Garrett Bulls. Oh, Garrett, 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 Garrett. I think Garrett's gonna have a good year. I can feel it in my bones. Wow, I think this might- is Optimistic Monday. I like it. Well, it's it's Optimistic Monday, and in, in part because one of the things that brought out the worst in Garrett Bowles' play was when the crowd at home would have such a negative, visceral reaction to when he was called for a holding, and sometimes it seemed to get in his head and begat more penalties, more mental mistakes. Well, if you're playing in front of a limited capacity crowd or no fans, I don't think you're going to see the same type of thing. I think Garrett Bowl. So there are some guys who are going to play better because there are, are few to no fans potentially in the stands. Some guys who are quote unquote gamers might do worse. Others might do better. I think Garrett Bowles is the guy who'll do better. So you're saying the video board operator shouldn't uh, pipe in booze after a holding penalty. 
They're saying fools. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's a Simpsons reference for right you, there. That's great. <laughs> oh my okay. goodness! Uh, before we move on, want to give a shout out to our good friends over at WGT who are putting on some of the most fun uh, tournaments for the DNVR family. We're having a lot of fun with it. Uh, I unfortunately was late for my tea time yesterday. I didn't get in on the tournament. I thought we were going till eight and then I went back and it, it turns out the tournament closed at six. So I uh, was assessed a two stroke penalty and told to head home. Uh, but you can get in every week on our WGT tournaments and man, they are fun. So whether you're a beginner or you want some serious competition, you can always get in, go to dnvrgolf.com to download WGT. Then when you get in there, type in DNVR number two, one word, into the country club search bar, and you will find the extension to our country club, and then you can join that. It's filling up quick, so get in, or else then I'm going to have to start talking about DNVR three. But either way, you'll always be a part of our fun tournament. So go to dnvrgolf.com and download WGT today. And regardless of if you win those tournaments or not, you're going to be smiling the whole time because they're so much fun. And you want the best smile possible. So check out Green Mountain Dental Group. They're in Lakewood, only 15 minutes away from downtown Denver. And they're the best damn family-owned dentist in the metro area. And they're extreme Colorado sports fans just like all of us. And guys, if that's not enough to be able to talk sports with your dentist, if you schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam, you'll receive a free Sonicare toothbrush. Guys, that's it. You just have to schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam, and they'll give you a free Sonicare toothbrush. So take care of your teeth, and they'll just hand you a free Sonicare toothbrush. So make sure to check them out, Green Mountain Dental. All right, next one here comes in from Dan Burke. He says, Mace, you mentioned something about Trey Waynes not being paid by the Bengals yet, and that got me thinking about something Melvin Gordon mentioned during his Twitter beef with Brandon Stokely. He said he was, quote, unpaid. Originally, I thought he meant he meant underpaid, considering he's playing for less than what was offered for the Chargers. But is there any chance he meant that he actually hasn't received his signing bonus yet either? That might help to explain why he chose to stay away from the workout sessions with Drew, too. I feel like some fans might have been quick to criticize him for seeming disengaged with Drew and the rest of the offense. But no doubt he received advice from his agent, like Trey Waynes did, to stay away until that gets settled. I think both things can be true here, but I do think based on the context of his conversation with Stokely, he was saying underpaid. Yeah, Yeah. I think that's what he meant as well. I mean, the the thing with uh, with Trey Waynes is he he said on a a podcast with uh, Takeo Spikes, uh, another former Bengal, that uh, he said since he and a couple of other teams, they still ain't pay nobody or let them take their physicals, so it's technically going on. So. It's you wonder if it's tied to uh, to some teams that haven't actually had those guys in for physicals yet, maybe not having actually put out the checks for for these guys. But I haven't heard of anything uh, like that with Melvin Gordon. I think it's kind of a uh, maybe it's an underpaid thing rather than something unpaid. I haven't heard of any such issues going on with the Broncos. Yeah, for sure. Um, So technically, the players have to pass a physical for the contract to go into effect right Mm -hmm. but they've been doing some physicals have been done remotely Remotely, even though they haven't had them on site they've uh, made sure that there was an arrangement made with a doctor closer to the the home of the player and i know with melvin gordon as well i mean southern california is his home he was 
uh, I believe working out with some ex -char some uh, some players who were his ex teammates with the Chargers uh, for a little bit. But like we alluded to early in the podcast, I think it's only helping Philip Lindsay that he's there every day with Drew Locke when they've for for a lot of days at least when they've been working out in local parks. Yeah, and it's uh, just notable, I guess, that even since the uh, NFLPA has recommended against players doing that, just like Tom Brady and those boys, uh, the Broncos have been out there as well. Yeah, he shows that there's no, there's absolutely no teeth, no bite to what the NFLPA is saying, and uh, you wonder if they have discussions, the NFL and the NFLPA have discussions about player safety, that uh, if the NFLPA tries to make a point, if the NFL doesn't say, well, hey, look, uh, maybe you need to get your guys in line because they're not listening to your recommendations right now. Yeah, and the truth is a lot of these guys, especially with the, the youth in the Broncos offense, um, they're probably more likely to listen to what their coaches are saying. And even though they aren't supposed to, I promise you those coaches are <laughs> recommending that they should get together and run yep. through the playbook. Mm -hmm. So what, what are you going to do if you're, you know uh, – Philip Lindsay is a perfect example, or a Noah Fant. Like, are are you more worried about you know this kind of confusing legal mumbo jumbo that the NA, uh, NFLPA is throwing at you, or are you thinking, man, I really want to win ten games this year? Yeah, and maybe it could all just come together pretty well. I know some guys are on. Uh vacations are out of state right now so maybe they're going to take the next three weeks off and all of that kind of lines up well I don't know we'll, we'll, we'll just follow that yeah it's just interesting I'm not saying it's right or wrong I'm just trying to look in the mind of a 22 year old uh and what 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 might sound like the best decision for them to make I uh I also love that Dan Burke in his uh he changed his name to Dan Burke with uh the shush oh, <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Calvin Anderson actually <laughs> <laughs> great little addition there uh well the other ryan chimes in and says my boys i hope that you each had a safe and enjoyable independence day weekend on the topic of unique burgers i highly recommend the reuben burger from bagel deli if you are ever very hungry it is incredible with no on-field otas in 2020 limited training camp and few or no preseason games what type of week one should we expect across the nfl will it be akin to week one of the 2011 season no otas that offseason or more like a preseason game with lots of mistakes, penalties, and other snafus. Do you think that defenses or offenses will be far will be will be better in Week One and early in the season? Will the Broncos still, with the Broncos still being a defensive team, with some of the game's best defensive minds on their coaching staff, will that be advantageous for them, especially early in the season? Here's to a great week ahead, along with some inspiration from Benjamin Franklin. Be civil to all, sociable to many. Fair or familiar with few, friend to one, enemy to none. DNV Army, salute. Nice. Nice. And that, that's a good question about what week one will look like. You know, the old, the old cliche is what, that when you start camp, defense is ahead of the offense. And you wonder if when you get to week one, if there are no preseason games, Will defenses be ahead of offenses? And if that's the case, a team like the Broncos that has most of its guys returning on that side of the ball has familiarity with the scheme. It's something that might favor them early on in the year as offenses uh, try to get their feet under them. And if 
in week three, for example, going against the Tom Brady-led Bucks, if they're still trying to get their chemistry right, it's something that really could increase the Broncos' chances of pulling off an upset. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you look at what the Broncos are built on, and right now it still is a defensive side. And like you said, Mace, uh, history would say that it would it would favor the defenses. So that could actually be uh, a silver lining to all of this as the Broncos get off to yet another hot start. Absolutely. Next one here comes in from the Manning-faced God. Hey, guys, hope you had a great weekend. Mine could have been better. I got sick and thought I had COVID, but I got tested, and thankfully I was negative. That's great to hear. My question for today is, Va- is, is Von Miller the greatest Denver Broncos draft pick ever? I can't recall any other Broncos draft pick being this impactful and legendary throughout their career. Thanks, guys, for all that you do. Ooh. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's certainly up there. The, if we're talking uh, value, you may put Trevor Simeon, Von Miller, kind of <laughs> side by side for number one. But yeah, I, I, think, uh, I think Terrell Davis would probably win the value conversation <laughs> over tre- Trevor Simeon. Or, or Carl Mecklenburg, because he was all the way down in the 12th round, Yeah, I true. believe. And uh, Terrell Davis was, was sitting there in the middle rounds of what, a draft that was shortened by then. But if we're taking value out of it, um, it's got it, it. It's probably it's Vaughn, or it's Shannon Sharp, or in terms of significance for the franchise, it's the guy who's nicknamed the franchise. It's Floyd Little because with Floyd, he was the first first round pick that the Broncos actually signed, and then he lived up to that and became the most beloved player on the team, and uh, eventually in the Hall of Fame, and a huge part of really legitimizing the Denver Broncos after those really rough early days. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, there's a few options there for sure. If one guy really pans out, doesn't he take the cake? If Drew Locke really <laughs> pans out, because he's the quarterback position. And, I mean, I guess not even speaking of value, but there's not much competition there, at least with the quarterbacks uh, who have been drafted by the Broncos. He, you know, he probably doesn't have much to do in order to become the best drafted quarterback the Broncos have. And because of his positional value, he could, he could make a case for that if everything he's, goes to plan. He's going to have to win a Super Bowl MVP, though, to get into that conversation because Vaughn and TD both have Super Bowl MVPs uh, and both were draft picks. So I, I, that, to me, is the ultimate accomplishment of any player uh, is to win Super Bowl MVP um at least you know in terms of legitimizing their value to the franchise they played the biggest in the biggest game ever easier for him to do than any other position though i mean super bowl mvp is going to favor the quarterback and crazy enough neither of those guys were quarterbacks obviously yeah patrick mahomes won it last year for having a pretty average game (laughs) while uh, a running back went off (laughs) yeah exactly next one last one here is from ldj he says so it's july and this is about time I start reaching out to my league members for fantasy and collecting buy-ins, etc. I'm a little concerned because I believe Brandon McManus about the preseason because reports are confirming what he's saying. So let me ask you two questions. At what point in training camp or even now will you feel 80% better about a full football season, number one? Number two, if there's no preseason games, what does that mean for the UDFA and all these guys on the bubble? They're saying 15 guys will be cut before camp even starts. Yeah, I wonder if those 15 guys that are cut, are they going to be UDFAs or are they going to be uh, maybe some veterans that uh, were 
on the bubble anyway, or some of the reserve future guys that the Broncos signed. I mean, for example, they have two long snappers right now. And if they tell them, okay, you've got a 75 player limit, are you really keeping two long snappers? Or are you just rolling the dice and saying, okay, we like one of them better than the other based on our scouting. We're going to go with this guy. Yeah. I, I think these are going to be pretty easy decisions, right? If they're cutting 15 people, I mean, I, I, I don't think that'll be tough. And maybe you do miss out on one potential stud, um, but it's going to be pretty easy, I think, for John to make those decisions. Yeah, and it's tough for, uh, you know, one of these long snappers who's not even going to get a chance to compete, but what can you do? Yeah, yeah, it, and uh, boy, I, I, I don't know when I'm going to have an 80 or a comfortability that there's going to be 80% or more of the season played this year. Maybe in week 14, I'll, I'll feel comfortable with that. Oh, I, I'm fully there right now. Good, good. I, I love it. And I do think that there's going to be a legitimate football season this year. Um, and isn't that what we want? We want football. You know, it'd be great if there's fans, but it, at the end of the day, we want a full football season. At the end I of the day, all, yeah. I want to see Philip Lindsay playing with a chip on his shoulder. I want to see – Jerry Judy bursting out like I believe he's going to. I want to see Cortland Sutton, what he looks like in year three. I want to see Drew Locke get a chance to prove all the haters wrong. Like, there's a lot about football that, uh, you know, is about the fans and all that stuff too. But, man, I just I, – I'm craving it so badly, seeing all these things that I think are going to happen. I want to see them, if they're going to come true or not. Um, I obviously, you know, the, the health and safety of the players is paramount. Uh, but I think there's a way that they can do this and, and make sure that guys aren't getting too sick and, and that sort of thing. You know, do it. And I just, I just hope that, you know, I'm right about this and we get the football because I just want to see what the season has in store for the Denver Broncos. Yeah. I hope you're right. Now that said, um, frankly, I will be happy if they can get in eight regular season games and a playoff if worst comes to worst. Eight, so basically a 12-week a season is what you could have, and it may involve stops and starts. But uh, uh, I, I'm, the, the, the more that I see, the more nervous that I, I get. And actually, last week, I just wanted to see where the public stood on this. And so I did a Twitter poll. How many regular season games do you expect that each team will actually play in the 2020 season? Now, the single biggest total in terms of responses – 34.6% said all 16, but you had 51% of the voters that, that voted for choices that involved 11 or fewer games this year. So I don't think anybody really knows what to expect. I think everyone is hoping for the best, but probably it'd be wise, it would be wise to go in with the expectation that this could be, if, it, if the season does happen, a, a shorter season than we've seen in at least 33 years. All I have to say is just wear a mask. I, I, even if you think that it, it's a 0.0001% chance that it helps anything, isn't that worth it? To me, it is. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, it's the least you know, selfish thing you can do. Right. Like yeah. whether it's about football or just help, you know, trying to help not spread it towards someone who's older. Like I just, it, I, I, I'm pretty confident that anyone listening wouldn't think it's a 0% chance that it helps anything. If if there's even a sliver of you that thinks it might help a little bit, don't you want to? Wouldn't you want to just 
say like, ah, well, I guess I'll just inconvenience myself for this 30 minutes at the store just to, to give myself a 0.0001% higher chance of seeing a full football season. That's, that's where I stand on this. You know, I, you don't have to, in my mind, I don't have to worry about the science or this or that or the other thing. I'm just like, if this can help even a little bit, I don't care. I'm, I'm down to do it. I, I hope everyone takes that. Like you said, Zach, it's a very unselfish thing to do. Um, it, and you know, I hope that people can slowly but surely get more behind that idea. Wear a mask so that we can all see Bryce Callahan and Jawan James play in a full game together in Denver. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, and, you know, uh, no, nah, I won't go there. But anyways. <laughs> uh let's let's just you know keep the good vibes out there hopefully we do get a full season uh hopefully you know these other sports can get started up and the players can remain safe and healthy uh, and it can you know pave the blueprint for how the nfl can do this uh, because i think you know it could be a big help to everyone uh who probably aren't going aren't having the best uh lives right now i think that uh sports if we can do it in a safe way uh can be a big help to society anyways i think that's going to wrap it up for us today on the dnvr broncos podcast a shout out to davidson's with a location in centennial and in highlands ranch locally owned if you're going to go get a 15 pack of strawberry sky that's a great place to go do it and heck while you're there maybe you want a new bourbon or something you can talk to their very knowledgeable staff who are going to help you out finding something that you're going to really like so head over to davidson's today uh, and let them let let them know that we sent you by posting something nice on social media. But for now, it's going to wrap it up for us on the DNVR Broncos podcast. Hope you guys have a great day, and we'll talk to you tomorrow.